This is uh, September 14th, 2019, Believers Meeting, and we started last time uh, in Proverbs 13:20. so you can go back there uh, this morning. We, we started last time in Proverbs 13:20, and we were talking about whose company are you keeping? Uh, and we focused last time on, uh, well, first of all, let's, let's look at our scripture. Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So link yourself up with people who are blessed of God, and you become a candidate for the blessings of God. So we, we focused last time on uh, the characteristics, uh, what the Bible defines as a fool. Because it says a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So, you know, how, how would you go about identifying or recognizing somebody that the Bible characterizes as a fool? So we looked at some of those scriptures, and I will get those printed out for everyone, and I'll hand them out to you uh, so that everybody can, can have a copy of that. Uh, so this time we're going to carry on uh, looking at the other side of this principle about walking with wise people, keeping company with wise people, uh, and what the Bible has to say about that and how it impacts our life. So uh, Proverbs 13.20 in the easy-to-read version says, Be friends with those who are wise, and you will become wise. Choose fools to be your friends, and you will have trouble. The message translation says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. Proverbs 13, 20. Yeah, Proverbs 13, 20. So, if, if, uh, we know the, the book of Proverbs is, is rich in wisdom and, and uh, talking about what wise people do and say and what foolish people do and say. So if people can, can pull you up, there are also people that can pull you down. And we talked last time about the people who can pull you down, so this time we want to talk about characteristics of people that pull you up and Bible examples of uh, godly associations and how they impacted each other and how uh, these godly associations brought increase into their lives. Who you associate with has a profound impact on your life. So uh, when it says, uh, talks about walking with those that are wise, it's talking about who you, uh, who are your closest friends uh, who, who was talking about 
companion, uh, somebody that you spend a lot of time with. Uh, I think I mentioned last time the word companion comes from an old French word that literally means one who breaks bread with another. When you walk with people who are negative, then you're going to be negative. When you spend all your time with people who talk about sickness and lack, consequently that's what you're going to talk about. Uh, there's a saying that says opposites attract. Uh, you know, opposite people attract uh, one another, but uh, it's also true that like-minded people are attracted to one another as well. If you spend, uh, uh, well, well you, you've heard of the phrase, uh, birds of a feather flock together, you know? Um, you notice how people tend to gather up. People gather up according to their hobbies and according to their interests and according to their occupations and, and, and their beliefs and so forth. So people don't, who don't have anything gather up with other people who don't have anything and they talk about how they don't have anything. And people, you'll notice, uh, will tend to gravitate, often sick people tend to gravitate toward other people who have the same complaints and symptoms and they talk about their doctors and they talk about the medicines they're taking and uh, all their symptoms and they tend to gather up together and they talk about their aches and pains and what the doctor said. So there's a spiritual law at work in the earth today. Who you link up with has everything to do with what kind of harvest that you reap. Now this scripture in the Amplified Classic says, he who walks as a companion with wise men is wise, but he who associates with self-confident fools is a fool himself and shall smart for it. So the word, the Amplified Classic uses the word associates. Uh, he who, uh, if you associate with fools, then you're gonna smart for it. So this word associate means, like I said, someone that you spend a lot of time with, your closest friends, buddies, mates, frequently in the company of, uh, join with one another in a common pursuit, to unite in company or interest. Uh, you've all heard of these three men, Henry Ford, Harry Firestone, and Thomas Edison. They all had something in common in that they were inventors and industrialists who changed the course of the whole world. But they also had something else in common. They all three lived next door to one another in their holiday homes in Florida. And that was not an accident. It was not a coincidence. It was on purpose. These great minds associated with one another even when they were not working. On their free time, these, these are the kind of people they wanted to associate with. Uh, they associated with one another even on their holidays because they wanted to hang around other dreamers and other successful people and people that were like-minded and would 
you know, they would encourage one another. Um, so, you know, there, this is a great principle uh, here. Uh, you know, that, that would be a great way really to spend your holiday, you know, instead of just going to some, you know, ungodly place that's surrounded by unbelievers for a whole week. Just maybe sometime we ought to just rent a big house somewhere and just all go on holiday together. Amen. And, and uh, you know, that's the way we should be spending our time together and, and uh, creativity and encouragement. And I'm sure we would all leave up there, you know. So remind me of that. We'll, we'll work toward that. Amen. So from their association with one another came creativity, ability, and ideas that would change the world. These men did not run around with fools and negative people. Uh, they didn't run around with people who said, well, I tried that and it didn't work, you know. I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. I tried making new tires and they didn't work. You know, praise God they didn't listen to that kind of talk. They didn't keep company with people like that and they didn't take advice from people like that. Uh, it, it's estimated that Thomas Edison made over 1,000 attempts to perfect the light bulb before he successfully uh, did. Uh, you know, what if he had just said, or, or he listened to people that said, ah, who ever heard of that? You'll never be able to do that. I am so glad he didn't listen to people like that, you know? Praise God, I'm glad he didn't give up. So this is uh, increased by association principle is a spiritual law in the word of God. Now turn over just a few pages to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Verse 17. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance countenance of his friend. The Passion Translation says, it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens the character of another. The New Century Version says, as iron sharpens iron, so people can improve each other. Is iron sharpens iron so people can improve each other. This scripture sums up what I just described about these three men. Who you run around with and associate with can have a profound impact with what happens in your life. It, can, it, it affects what you believe, uh, affects the way you talk, and, and affects the, the whole course of your life. Walk with fools, the outcome can be destruction. Walk with the wise, the outcome can be great success. So let's begin to look at a few of these examples in the Bible about these, some of these godly associations and companionships. Uh, let's look at Numbers 27. Moses and Joshua. Numbers 27. 
verse 18 to 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. So by the laying on of hands, Moses laid his hands on Joshua. Uh, increase came into his life. God said, lay your hand on him, put some of your honor or authority on him so that people would, would recognize that, that God was putting his authority on him. God was recognizing him as Moses' replacement. So this is what happened. By association with Moses, increase came into Joshua's life. He, was a, he went on to be a leader who took the Israelites into the promised land. So he was a leader who did mighty things for God and it all started with his association with Moses. And, and uh, you know, he was one of the two men that, that Moses sent to the promised land who came back with a faith report. And he didn't come back with a negative unbelieving report. So, um, you know, he was very close to Moses. So th this is how promotion came into Joshua's life because of his obedience and his faith and his close association with Moses. And Moses, you know, missed it a few times, you know. Uh, he didn't get to go into the promised land, but uh, nevertheless, because he did great things for God and, and uh, Joshua uh, was associated with him, uh, this anointing came upon Joshua as, as well to lead the people and to even do what Moses was not able to, to carry out. Let's turn to Genesis 13 and look at Lot and Abraham. Now, if... if Actually, just look back there at 12 uh, to begin with. Verse 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will curse them that I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Now Lot was not supposed to go with Abraham. Uh, God told him to leave all of his family. And uh, Abraham, uh, you know, like many people and like we would all be tempted to do uh, felt some obligation to take his nephew with him. Uh, his father had died uh, 
Abram's brother had died and left his son, and so Abraham thought, well, I can't leave him here on his own or whatever. So anyway, he took Lot with him, and he should not have taken Lot with him. So he didn't completely obey God. Uh, it says the, the, he departed, Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when uh, he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. Now, uh, within this blessing and promise uh, to, to increase Abraham and his descendants, we find this other, another increase of association here, or blessing coming upon people here in uh, chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, where he says, Those that bless Israel, I will bless. The nations of the world who bless Israel, stand by Israel, support Israel, uh, uh, defend them against their enemies, God has said, I will bless you, I will support you, I will stand by you. I will defend those nations. And Jesus referred to this in Matthew 25, where he talked about the separation of the sheep and the goats. And the sheep and the goats represent nations. The sheep goats being those uh, godly nations who defended Israel and supported Israel, and the goat nations, those that were constantly a pain in Israel's side, and they were constantly attacking them and trying to wipe them out. Uh, from what I understand, uh, Billy, Billy Brim is a good end-time teacher. From what I've heard her say about this, uh, that chapter in Matthew 25 is called the judgment of the nations. There will be various judgments in the end times. And this Matthew 25, Jesus is referring to the judgment of the nations when he talks about the separation of the sheep and goats and that this will take place at the beginning of the millennium. All nations of the earth are going to be judged on one thing. How did they treat the nation of Israel? Did they support them, or were they constantly attacking them and trying to, to wipe them out? And this is one of the reasons why it's so important for Christians uh, in this country to support Israel. It's why it's so important for Christians in America to support Israel. America is probably the biggest defender, if on the whole, defender of Israel in the world. England has been hit and miss, uh, but um, this is why we want these countries to be sheep nations. And from what I understand from Billy Brim, the sheep nations will go into the millennium. The goat nations, I think, are just going to go by the wayside. Uh, so this is why we want this country to be blessed uh, and not cursed. Amen? So, uh, back to Abram, Abraham. On their journey to the promised land, God's promise of blessing uh, an increase began to manifest in Abram's life. And if you look at chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. 
And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. So this records a picture of a wealthy Abraham who had just taken his belongings from his home and, and left. Now in the next chapter, he's a very wealthy man. He took his unemployed nephew, Lot, with him. Uh, you know, God had told him to leave all of his relatives, but he took Lot with him. They took, only took what they could carry. Now notice there was no promise for Lot. He wasn't even supposed to be there. But we see that because Lot was in company with the blessed Abraham, it began to bring blessing into Lot's life. Just by his association, just by him being uh, hooked up with Abraham, increase began to come into his life. You can see it in verse 5. And, um, and Lot also, which went, went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. The land literally would not support both men and all their flocks and herds. There just wasn't enough land to support them. They, their, their flocks and herds and, and possessions just became so great. So they came to a point where they had to separate. So um, we see over in verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, look from the place where thou art, north, south, east, and west, all the land that thou seest to thee will I give to thy seed forever. Um, back up in uh, verse uh, 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. He just hooked up with the wrong crowd. When they separated, he hooked up, and he, he I think he thought, because Abraham gave him the first choice. And I think Lot thought, aha, I'm getting the best <laughs> deal, you know. But he turned his tent towards Sodom, and it was nothing but wicked. When he got hooked up there, his life began to fall to pieces. And it did not end well for Lot once he and Abram parted ways. And once uh, Lot began to uh, pitch his tent and dwell among the wicked people of Sodom. Uh, in um, Genesis 19, we won't turn there, but Genesis 19, God saw all this wickedness in Sodom, and he just said, okay, I can't take any more, you know. So in Genesis 19, God sent two angels to get... Lot and his family out of there before he was going to destroy it. So for Abram's sake, you know, Abram had negotiated with him. If you can find ten righteous, will you spare the city? And he worked him down to one righteous. If you can find one righteous man, 
you know, will you spare the city? Well, anyway, God's going to pull the plug on it. But he did send two angels to get Lot and his family out of there. Well, within hours of the two angels arriving at Lot's house, the men of Sodom turned up trying to gang rape the two angels. Now, that's how wicked this place was. I mean, it was just beyond, you know. So, this happened within hours of their arrival. His sons-in-law, Lot's two daughters' husbands, refused to leave. So they wound up dying there. Um, then, his wife turned back, looked back, and turned into a pillar of salt. After God had told them, flee, don't look back, don't long for this place, get to the mountains. She turned back and looked, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Then the two daughters that escaped with him got their father Lot drunk, had incest with him, and produced two sons who became the Moabites and the Ammonites, who eventually became trouble for Israel. They led Israel into Baal worship and so forth, and they caused nothing but trouble for Israel in the future. So you can see from Lot being associated with a Abram, uh, God blessing him, once he turned his face away and they separated and he got hooked up with the wrong crowd, his life went to pieces just like Proverbs 13.20 says. Uh, let's look at uh, another one. Uh, I think we've got time to look at another one. Uh, Genesis 26. Isaac and Abimelech. Genesis 26, 12 to 14. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Well, the background here is, uh, you know, there was a, a famine and Isaac was about to go to Egypt with everybody else. Everybody else said, hey, we're getting out of here. Uh, there's plenty of jobs over in Egypt. We're, we're going over there. And Isaac was about to go with them. And God spoke to him and said, no, don't go. You stay here and you sow seed in this land and I'll, I'll bless you. So he obeyed God and he stayed and he sowed in that land. And it says, he received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. And he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. So he became exceedingly wealthy. Uh, as Isaac sowed, God showed him to redig the wells of his fathers. Uh, why did he have to redig them? Because the Philistines, uh, fools, threw dirt in them and covered up the wells. Now, what's the one thing you got to have to survive in the desert? Water. <laughs> so out of spite, the Philistines, to get back, uh, you know, at Abraham, they were jealous of him all, they filled up all the water wells with dirt. So Isaac redug them. Uh, so, that sounds like something the politicians would do, doesn't it? Uh, so, 
God told Isaac to reopen the wells. He dug a well, and they took that well away from him. Isaac didn't argue. He just went to the next place, and he dug another well. Uh, and so the Philistines thought, well, you know, they were getting blessed as well. This is a thing. They were, they were the ungodly, but they were getting blessed as well uh, because of, of Isaac's presence, because of their association with him, even though they were trying to get back at him and they were opposing what he was doing. So uh, they thought, okay, well, Isaac's got water for us again. We got crops. We got food, we got water, so the, the, uh, the famine's over with. So uh, after redigging the wells and providing water for all of them again, what do the politicians do? They ask Isaac to leave. Get out of here. So, you know, they are shooting themselves in the foot. The only man who's prospering and being blessed in this adverse circumstance, they ask him to leave and get out of town. So, uh, these people were enemies of God, they had no promise from God, but they were simply increasing because of Isaac's presence and their association with him. Isaac had the blessing of God on his life and it was affecting the whole community. They were all being blessed because God was blessing Isaac, even though they were ungodly people. So they run Isaac out of town. So guess what happened when the only man that the blessing of God was on left? The water wells dried up. The blessing was gone. So the water was gone, and everything that had caused the water was gone. The man that had the blessing was gone. So the famine was not over. It was never over. But when the man with the anointing of, and blessing left, the famine was still there, and it came back. It came back on the people again. So the politicians realize, uh-oh, maybe we shouldn't have run him off. You know, maybe we should have been nicer to him. Uh, so they go find Isaac, and they ask him to come back. And in Genesis 26, 28, and they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, and we said, let there be now an oath between us. Now they want to be buddies, and now they want to do a deal together, and they want to get kind of hooked up legally. Uh, you know, no hard feelings, Isaac. Uh, you know, uh, all is forgiven. Now they want to make a covenant with him so he can't leave. Let there be an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee. Let us make a covenant with thee. So that sounds like wishy-washy religious people and politicians, doesn't it? Uh, you know, thank you for your blessing, but now that we're blessed, get out of here. And then they realize once he's gone, the famine's back, and now please come back, you know? So the point is, wherever Isaac went, there was increase, and even his enemies were blessed and were too dumb to realize it. Even the ungodly increased because of their association with God's anointed. This is a picture of the church in a world headed to hell with its financial system collapsing around them. 
God needs us to be rich. We are God's supply depot to invest in mankind. The world should be running to us when they're in need just like they ran to Isaac. This is why we, we believe in prosperity and we teach prosperity. The world needs to be coming to us. And when they come to us for what they need, then they're going to hear about our God. And they're going to hear about Jesus. So these people did not like Isaac, but when they needed him, they went and they found him. And the world may talk bad about us, but they will come to us when they need us. Amen? So that's why we need to be equipped and, and, and ready like this lady you ran into, Nancy, when people need us. They're going to come across our path and we're going to be able to help them. Amen? So this spiritual law of increase, because of the company you keep, continues in the next generation in the life of Jacob. So we've seen it in Abraham's life. We've seen it in Isaac's life. And then um, we see it in uh, Jacob and Laban's life. So let's Let's carry on there, and then we might, uh, we might stop for today. Uh, let's look at Jacob and Laban. And that would be over and around Genesis 30. Uh, Jacob worked seven years for this man Laban to marry Laban's younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban deceived him. When, it, when the seven years was up, and he had worked for him seven years, Laban tricked him, and he gave him the older daughter, Leah. So Jacob had to work another seven years for Rachel. On top of this trickery and deception, Laban changed Jacob's wages ten times. He kept saying, I'll pay you so and so, and he didn't do it, and he kept making promises to him and so forth. And he didn't keep it. So Genesis 30, verse 25 says, And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go. For thou knowest my service, which I have done for thee. So, Jacob decides to go back to his homeland. He wants to leave. And verse 27, Laban said, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, in other words, wait, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Does somebody else have another translation? What? Yeah. What, what do you have? I have the modern English. What does that say? Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. For I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me on account of you. Right. So name me your wages and I will give it. Yeah. So underline that verse 27. Um, For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Because you were here, I was blessed. Now Laban's getting nervous. He knows if Jacob leaves, 
He's going to be in trouble. Because as long as Jacob was there, the blessing was on him, and even crooked, lying Laban was getting blessed because of Jacob, <clears throat> because of his association and because he was in the family. Laban admitted, I know the Lord has blessed me because of you being here. Laban had increased in cattle and everything since Jacob showed up and he recognized it. He realized the worst thing that could happen to him was to break his relationship with Jacob and for Jacob to leave. As long as Jacob was around, Laban realized he was blessed. Verse 28, And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. And he said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hadst before I came. In other words, before I showed up, you didn't have anything. And now, it is now increased into a multitude. And the Lord has blessed thee since my coming. And now, when shall I provide for my own house also? Jacob said, you only had a little until I showed up. So the Lord blessed Laban because of his association with Jacob, the covenant man. Even though Laban was a liar and a cheat, there was no covenant promise made to Laban. He was a heathen. But this heathen man was increased for no other reason than his association with God's anointed Jacob. The blessing of God was on Jacob. It was on Abraham. It was on Isaac. It was on Jacob. And you can see how all these people in the, in the circle around them, the families and even the wicked people, in the community were blessed because of God's blessing upon his people. So there was this, um, this increase that came into all these people's lives just simply because they were keeping company with God's anointed. So there will be some people who will be blessed because you showed up in their life. Amen? Hallelujah.